Gather round and listen to tales of great adventure and brave heroes. Tales of daring individuals fighting monsters and claiming treasure. Tales of bards trying to get into the pants of savage beasts to avoid losing a fight. Tales of people drinking beer, eating pizza, and rolling dice. Tales of people losing their minds over the things that happen to people who only exist in their mind. This is Roland Bones, and I am Ryan Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roland Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host, Ryan Howard, and we've got a great episode today. I had the pleasure of interviewing one Brianna Jean, who is the host of the Tales of Adventure podcast, a podcast where, in character, Brianna interviews other people's RPG characters. It is a really cool concept. Uh, we, we had a lot of great conversation on this episode, and you know, you guys really should check out all the stuff that she's doing. Her podcast is a little bit newer even than, than mine. So uh, yeah, uh, support someone who's, who's just now kind of getting started up. Uh, that's, that's the anthem and theme of this episode. Before we jump into that, though, I have a story that I want to tell, uh, because I, I mentioned it a little bit in this episode, but I just wanted to tell the story as kind of, well, one, it's it's a cool story that I really enjoyed, and two, it's a challenge that I want to put out there to other dungeon masters. So, last weekend, you know, was spending Thanksgiving with my family, and I decided that I was going to run a one-shot for my wife, who you've heard me talk a lot about, and my little sister, and my little sister's new boyfriend, who is into D&D. And he was trying to get my little sister to play D&D, and, you know, she made a character they never actually played, though. So I took it upon myself to run an adventure specifically to hook the interest of my little sister, who has, up until this point, showed no interest in D&D or any other related hobbies. So I create this adventure with uh, basically a party of three in mind. My wife, an experienced player, and uh, my sister's boyfriend, a also an experienced player, and then my little sister who has no idea what's going on at all. And I decided that I would specifically target the adventure at the interests of my little sister. So what did I do? I created an adventure that was basically the D&D medieval fantasy version of The Bachelor. That was the adventure that I created. Uh, my forever NPC, Cromwell McGuinn, it was another another reality where, where Cromwell was a prince getting ready to take the throne of Gwen, but he had yet to find himself a suitable wife. So what did they do? They hosted a competition so that Cromwell could find himself a wife. And that was where the adventure started. The party was a group of members of a secret society called the Shroud, and they had to find this ancient tome of spells that was hidden somewhere underneath the prince's keep. So they had to infiltrate the keep, and the best way to do it was through this competition. So, like I said, initially intended for three players. Then my older sister caught wind that we were doing this, and again, has demonstrated no interest in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, she goes, I'd like to play. Okay, we can add another character. And so we, we get to my parents' house, and they kind of find out about it, and my dad wants to play. This completely took me by surprise. I, I did not expect that Katie would even want to play. I thought my Katie's my little sister. I thought we would have to, like, twist her arm into playing or, like, trick her into playing. But then uh, not only did she volunteer, but so did my older sister Shay and then my dad and uh, then my mom volunteered to play. <laughs> and so this adventure that I had designed for three party members then grew to six party members. And so I had to had to do some rebalancing on the fly. But, you know, we sat down at like 8:45 in the evening and started playing this uh this adventure, this Dungeons and Dragons adventure that was based on The Bachelor. And everyone 
with the possible exception of my mom, who still never really picked up on what was going on, didn't, I don't think she really got the game or how it's fun or anything like that. She did have a good time at the table, but with, with the possible exception of her, everyone had a blast. Everyone had a really fun time playing Dungeons and Dragons. And they all worked really well together. They all kind of fell into different roles. My dad, oddly enough, is a is a role player. He got really into the uh, the low intelligence Goliath barbarian that that he requested I make for him, complete with peeing out of the window of the keep and then arm wrestling another barbarian with I believe fifty gold and two hand axes on the line. <laughs> and then I did this thing with combat that I've I've seen a lot of people do. Um, I, actually. My DM, Mo, he, he did it for us first, and that's, that's kind of where I got the idea. But basically, I did not have enough minis for everyone to have a mini and then every and then there to be monster minis. So what I did was for the monsters I used peanut M&Ms and then for a boss monster I used a, a Ghirardelli chocolate square. And whoever got the kill got to eat that piece of candy. So they really enjoyed that. That was that was a, a cool aspect. But at the end, my dad and then everyone else at the table said, if you want to do another one of those, we'll be happy to play. And it, it really felt like a great moment. And of course, there was the whole, you know, I am the best dungeon master ever. I got a whole bunch of non-D, whole bunch of non-D&D players to enjoy themselves playing D&D and to ask for more. But even beyond that, it was like, I, I did something, I, I made something that my family enjoyed, and I introduced them to something that they'd never played before. I mean, they, they were familiar with it, they watched The Big Bang Theory, but they had never actually sat down and played D&D, and, you know, we played a game that was fun, there wasn't any major problems at the table, uh, everyone pretty much understood what they need to do, and I, I was confident enough in my knowledge of the rules to explain to everyone, you know, what, what to do, what their modifiers meant, what you add to your role to get the result, and everyone had a good time. No one got super confused. No one said, this is stupid, and got up out of their seat and left, and I'm going to be doing it again at Christmas, and I think that they'll really enjoy the adventures that I've got planned for them. Now, they're not going to become, like, regular D&D players anytime soon or probably at all in, in most of the cases, but they enjoyed something that I have enjoyed for a long time, something that I've enjoyed, put a lot of effort and time into, and the feeling of, of them going, yeah, that, that is fun. That was a great feeling, and I, I was so glad that I got to share that love with my family. Now, my challenge for all of you dungeon masters out there, I want all of you to try something similar to this. It doesn't have to be your family. Maybe your family still fully believes that D&D is satanic, or, you know, your family isn't into it, they think it's stupid, they don't understand why you spend so much time on it. So maybe not your family. Maybe a group of friends that just don't play D&D. Find a group of people who aren't familiar with the game, create an adventure that caters to their interests, and run it for them and see if they all have fun, or even if just one or two of them have fun, and, and see if maybe you can kind of flip a few of them and, and get them to, to become regular D&D players. What I'm asking you to do is to become essentially a D&D &D missionary. I want you to reach out to some people who've never played Dungeons & Dragons, never rolled a d20, maybe they think it's a little bit silly, uh, maybe they think it's outright stupid, but just reach out to them, say, hey, I'll make your characters, I've got an adventure, I think you'll really like it, don't do anything too deep weird, uh, you know, just, you know, make it something very accessible, accessible for people on the outside, and run it for them. Run it for them and see if they have fun. And at the end of the night, say, did everyone have fun? And hopefully, hopefully, the magic of the game will wash over all of them, and all of them will say, yes, we had fun. And maybe some of them will say, we had fun and we want to do this again. And then maybe of that group, one of them will be like, I had fun, I want to do this again, I want to do this every week. That's my challenge to dungeon masters out there. Create an adventure for some people who have never played the game before, and see if you can get at least one person hooked for life. So that is it for my, uh, my story, my ramblings. 
Um, everyone, we, we've got a great episode today with Brianna Jean. I hope you all enjoy it. So, yeah, I will see you on the other side of this interview with Brianna Jean, the host of the Tales of Adventure podcast. I hope you all enjoy it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Rollin' Bones, the host of Tales of Adventure, Brianna hey. Jean. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, and I'm also the producer. I'm the everything. Absolutely. <laughs> I I know what that's all about. Because why not have, like, three different podcasts that you're making all at the same time by mm-hmm. yourself? I had a very, very brief, like, one-week period where I was doing two podcasts, but then one of them ended, and now I'm just doing this one. So I, I kind of feel your pain. I'm doing both bi-weekly. They alternate weeks and are different days of the week. Because I like to make my life complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Now, um, Brianna, before we get started, uh, there is something that I have to do, uh, because today is a very special day. Some of you have noticed that occasionally, although I mostly fly solo, sometimes there is a co-host on this podcast. Uh, That that cat noise that you hear in the background, (laughs) that, that is the voice of Sophia... Norton, my roommate's cat, and today is her fifth birthday, so Sophie, (laughs) happy birthday, even though you annoy the crap out of me, and you don't let me pet you, and occasionally you poop outside the box, happy birthday. Sounds like a very typical cat that deserves a very happy birthday in the belly rubs, assuming she won't bite you when you try and do that. Oh, she'll just run away from me. Yeah, you just gotta find whatever snack it is she likes. That's, oddly enough, the only time she will ever, like, get close to me is when I'm preparing uh, food for the cats. She then is my best friend, and she will run between my legs and headbutt my headbutt my leg and be like, I love you, and then I set the food down, and she's like, now go away. <laughs> yep, sounds like a cat. But we do have another cat. My wife and I have a cat named Nora, and she's a sweetheart, and she loves me, so I don't feel completely terrible. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I wish I had a cat. My parents would kill me. Like, brutally, finally. Mm-hmm. Or I'd be living in my car. Neither of those options sounds great. So, Brianna, we are going to start this interview the same way we start every interview. I'm going to ask you these questions that I ask everyone, and then we'll get into some stuff specific to your work. Uh, but first and foremost, Brianna, how did you get into RPGs and D&D? Uh, well, I always enjoyed the storytelling aspect, and I did a lot of I guess when I was a kid, I always liked to do the play-acting stuff, so that was sort of like an unofficial introduction. But my first official introduction was when I got to meet a friend of mine's other friends at their at her wedding, and they invited me to be part of their D&D group. So that was like just over a year ago when I joined that, and that was my first character. And then... That just spiraled into another group of friends started a D&D campaign set in a story world a friend of mine had come up with. And I was like, the second I heard they were doing something with that, I'm like, I'm in. I want in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, another campaign started with my coworkers, and I just got so hooked on the storytelling and the being able to step into another character's skin that I just, I, yeah it's it's taken over my life now it's fine <laughs> i'm very familiar with the the rpg creep as far as uh, personal life goes <laughs> i used to just play once a week now i dm two games do a podcast and i'm constantly painting minis that sounds like a pretty awesome way to be doing life Absolutely. not gonna lie and so of the games that you've played um i, I don't know if You've played different systems or or what, but what's been your favorite kind of game system that that you've played in? I've only really ever done D&D, although a couple friends of mine have been looking into Starfinder. Also, I apologize, the air conditioning just kicked on. It could be a little loud in here. Mine is too. It's all right. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's been D&D. So so far, it's just been D&D, but I particularly enjoy homebrew worlds because mm-hmm. the second campaign um it it is a homebrew world it's like an alternate version of our world set far in the future where most of the land masses are covered by this magical fog that can drive you mad or kill you and there's certain coastal cities left and exposure to fog throughout the generations leads to like 
tieflings and dragonborn happening. It causes the mutation that brought those species about. Has this all been uh, kind of like 5th edition D&D? Yeah, 5e D&D. Gotcha, gotcha. This is a this is a pro 5e environment. I, I know sometimes in the uh, in the world of RPG podcasts, you get people who are contrarians and, and want to say that they're not big on 5e, but this is a 5e show. So My personal opinion when it comes to different systems is just, if you like it, fine. It's the thing is like it's it's just a sandbox for you to play around in. Yeah. And like when me and my friends are talking about ideas, and I'm like, well, we could just take what we like from this and make the rest of it up as we go. It's it's just some tools to help structure your playing around in the sandbox. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as like just crazy stuff uh, that's that's happened in RPGs just this past weekend, I ran an RPG. Uh, it was intended to just be for my wife, my little sister, and her boyfriend, who's really into D and D. Basically, to get my little sister into D and D. <laughs> I ended up running that adventure for my whole family, and it was an adventure <laughs> based around a fantasy version of The Bachelor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you look you you have this look like you're slightly ashamed of yourself, but that sounds amazing. Kind I don't of, even like The Bachelor, and that sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm kind of ashamed of myself, but I was just thinking, I was like, okay, how am I going to hook my little sister with D&D? I can't be like, an epic battle for the fate of the universe. She's not going to care. What does she care about? The Bachelor. Did it work? It worked. That's that's the important part, and I bet it was really <laughs> hilarious to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she got super into it, and then my older sister got super into it, my parents who I never thought would ever even sit down or pick up a D20, they got into it as well. I don't think any of them are going to become, like, hardcore gamers anytime soon. Um, my mom, especially, is probably never <laughs> going to play again. But I got a whole bunch of people who've never played D&D to enjoy themselves playing D&D, so... Dang it, now I want to try this with my family, because... My mom was not super thrilled when she first heard that I was getting into D&D, but I've <laughs> since then convinced her... It's not a terrible thing. I'm not getting into Satan worship. It's fine, Mom. Mm -hmm. So, like, she's gotten to be more okay with it, especially since I started Tales of Adventure, although she doesn't listen to it that I know of. But it would be fun to one day kind of get them into a one-shot. And you don't even need a D20 to do a one-shot. I have some friends that completely BSed a one-shot using Yahtzee dice. So it wasn't... You couldn't get a nat 20, you had to hit an 18. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thinking back to that, that first campaign, do you remember the character that you brought to the table? Yes, her name is Scarlet. She is a half-elf rogue who is an arcane trickster. She was born and raised a slave until one day her master like hit her with a spell and it didn't kill her like she thought it would, like he thought it would. So he then locked her in a warehouse to see to test different artifacts and spells on her. Mm -hmm. Until one day the building caught fire, she faked her death and escaped, and now she's kind of trying to find her way in the world and find a way to find where her family is. Yeah, also, sure. I kind of stole part of her backstory from Venris from Dragon Age. Doing Take RPGs is stealing. <laughs> Absolutely. I got more <laughs> creative with my next two characters, but with... Because also I realized Go is spending most of her life in a warehouse. She doesn't know how to interact with people. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what birthdays are. She's just, she has no ability to trust people. So I'm thinking, um, since I've had to miss a lot of sessions with that one because of work, I'm thinking, am I just like, write Scarlet out? Let me come back with a different <laughs> character. Because maybe I, I, I want to try a different approach at her. And it's funny that you mentioned your your first character being a, a half-elf arcane trickster rogue, because my wife's first character was also a half-elf arcane trickster rogue. <laughs> I mean, it's the fu it was the most interesting looking like subclass in Rogue, and that's mm -hmm. what the party said they needed. For the other ones, I kind of just got a picture in my head of like, hey, you'd be fun to play. Like in the third one, I accidentally created a Drow. I had a picture in my head, and it's like, oh, yeah, I create. Yep, yeah, she's a Drow. Okay, I'll make it work. How would you describe your play style uh, when when you come to the table? How, how do you like to play the game? I like to focus more narrative and, like, get into the character, like, um, just kind of, like, try and 
get, like getting into them, stepping into them, seeing the world sort of through their eyes and thinking what would they do, how would they react. Like I have a tiefling sorceress who her tail kind of acts like a cat's tail. Mm-hmm. So whenever she's agitated, it twitches back and forth. But whenever she's in a crowded place, she just sort of subconsciously wraps it around her ankle mm-hmm. to be kind of out of the place because she was raised by humans. So she's kind of very much sort of been in the background. But now she's getting to a place where she can have to step more in the forefront. And with my drow paladin as well, she's spent a fair amount of time so far in this campaign. Well, because she lost her last six months of memory, so she doesn't know if she can trust the people around her and she also doesn't know if she's truly worthy of her god and then recently we all got our memories back and we got to meet half the pantheon so she's met her god so she knows so that's going to cause a huge shift in how i play her but in both of them i kind of do put parts of myself in it just because i i can't help it i just do there's a lot of me in different characters that i played um so my first character was very much kind of just who I wanted to be. He, I like to joke that he was Era Gorby One Kenobi because <laughs> he was he was the kind of rangeriest ranger that ever rangered. <laughs> His name was Cromwell McGuinn, and he's become my forever NPC. I mean, that's a pretty great name. Mm-hmm. I just realized only one of my characters has a last name because in the world Dervome came from, there's drought don't get married it's since they're all military it's just like hey you two are good at stuff make a baby (laughs) (laughs) in your time of playing rpgs um i know in my life there's been a lot of fantastic amazing memories that have come from the table what's been your fondest rpg memory it would have to be something that's happened more recently in the campaign i'm doing with my co-workers because we went on this detour because we didn't feel like being funneled into a fight with Dragon Underground. Mm-hmm. So we went on this detour and ended up trapped in a cave where the only way we could go was through this creepy green glowy lake, mm-hmm. which we did. And then we went into this tower, which was impossibly large on the outside because it was being run by a 400-year-old goblin. Yeah, which th- that's about as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, the lake we had swam through was magic and had healing properties, so he'd been swimming in it basically constantly, but he was part of this great group of adventurers who had once taken on the king, who we're trying to kill, and we've confirmed that he is a lich. He has seven star stones that we know of that he's corrupted and are fueling him, and if he can take away half of those, he'll be about the strength of an ancient red dragon. And now that we have our memories back, he wipes the absolute, he wipes the floor with us, and he knows exactly who we are. But as far as he knows, we're in hell getting re-educated for the next four to eight months. Gotcha. But, so, like, the next day when we were there, we got all of our memories back. Jennifer the creepy goblin, like, all of his party are still there. They're there as spirits, which is part of what's helping keep the place going. Mm-hmm. And so when he realized what the king had done to the star stone, he lost it. <laughs> Just absolutely lost it. Booked it up to the planeswalking room, which we've already confirmed has a door to hell. Like the nine hells. We mm-hmm. chat with Asmodeus, who's scared of Jinnabon. <laughs> and so like we all chased after him, and he was he was about to cast a spell, but the gods stepped in and reminded him, dude, you're not supposed to do that. You're basically a god already. And in that moment, that's when Rome got to meet her god. And she's just astounded because she's also recently seen a memory of herself wielding his weapon, which was huge for her because she spent the first 200 years of her life killing people for the king before Mm -hmm. she let everyone believe she was dead and joined Paladin Order and then started hunting the hunters. But so they managed to talk him down and we were there to see him die as he and his friends all became gods so we met half the pantheon saw the birth of a new breath of a new pantheon and before they left taking the library with them he said like hey you can the planeswalking room has star stones you can take those try it he told our wizard where he could find a fairy dragon familiar like with the, the tower he said hey just a heads up you got about 21 hours before the spell in this place collapses, so you might want to get out before then. And as we're, like, half of our party goes down to get the fairy dragon. Mm-hmm. The rest of us are frantically trying to pull star stones out of the walls as Modius is forcing his way through the door. 
<laughs> and uh, he got like halfway through and I started screaming for our Warforge to get up there and he he ran up the stairs. I was like, close the door! So he dropped kicked Asmodeus through the door. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, we're trying to get the last stone out of the wall. Asmodeus um, cast Charm Pert, successfully charmed our Warforged. He almost killed the rat man. He was so bonded to, but he was able to miss and snap out of it just in time to get him the rest of the way through the door. <laughs> and we were able to... We didn't die. <laughs> it was a miracle. Mm-hmm. So now we have five star stones. We know that the king knows who we are. We know how we got in last time, but we also know that's how the king got in last... The king knows that that's how we got in last time. And we've pissed off the king of hell. Nice. And that was all in a detour. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing how those those small hey we're just going to go over here for a little bit moments can turn into big game changing events. Yeah, we got our memories back like six sessions earlier, and apparently I taught I, ta- I was chatting with our DM, and if we had had eight people to start with, because um, the new pantheon that we saw born, they're called the eight because there's eight mm-hmm. of them. If we yep. had had eight people, he was going to have us do in the first session play as them fighting the king, and then we'd get our butts kicked, get knocked out of the cave, and then go into our characters like eight hundred years later. Well, no, four hundred years later. Because we're the, they were, um, the eight and our party, who has no name, were the only two groups able to be able to get into and close enough to assassinate the king. Although we absolutely failed. Because he's a lich powered by eight star stones that we know of. Over the, the, the years and the games that, that we play this, this great game of ours and this great hobby, we meet some fantastic people. Uh, but every now and then, we also have the unfortunate pleasure of sharing the table with some not-so-great people. And the worst of those people, we have kind of reserved this term for in the RPG world, and that term is that guy. So, Brianna, what is your best or worst that guy story? I haven't actually run into any super terrible that guys yet. But then again, to be fair, like I've only been slowly sucked into this community over the past year. Gotcha, gotcha. But I, I definitely know they exist, and I've heard stories of them because, like, sometimes DMs will be a little like more chill on the rules, whereas players will be like, "No, it has to be like this way." It'll be super specific and stuff like that. But thankfully, right now, I haven't really run into an issue with that. But I feel like as I become more immersed and more like important in the community i'll run into that issue yeah yeah especially being a female content creator in the D &D world yeah have you mostly been playing with uh with people that you know pretty well uh yeah my first group i didn't know them super well because they were mostly my friend kelsey's friends Mm-hmm. But like I had like I had interacted with some of them before, and I've gotten to know them better since playing. But aside from that, and also the one that's with my coworkers, we also some of my DMs friends are in there too. So I didn't know them super well. But yeah, it's so it's been it's been an interesting way to get to meet new people. But so far, it's everyone sort of meshed together really well. Yeah, it, it's a lot easier to encounter like. It's a lot easier to avoid terrible players when you know most everyone at the table or when, you know, the the, uh, the people that you don't know at the table are people who, you know, the people that you do know vouch for them. That that makes things a whole lot easier. I've, I'm actually in a similar situation to what you're in. I've never really had a that guy at any of my tables. I've heard about them. I've seen them at <laughs> conventions. But... Where we kind of differ is every game I've ever played or run, except for the one that my wife and I are in right now, uh, where it's her and then two of her good friends, they've all been with complete strangers, and I've just gotten super lucky with the complete strangers that I've played with. Yeah, it's... Thankfully, with this community, like, everyone usually is pretty accepting, pretty open-minded. We're all in it for the same thing, and they're, I find, like, they're they're willing to sort of adjust and adapt and, like, get to know you, Mm -hmm. both you as a person and you as a character, but 
I know it's with all things, there are still going to be those people who are really, they want to have something to be unhappy about. That actually does remind me. This wasn't, like, in a game, but it, it was a review I got on Tales of Adventure. <laughs> so far, I've gotten two reviews, on, but, like, two reviews on that one and one review on my other one. Mm-hmm. So I've got two five stars. Pretty sure my boyfriend did that. <laughs> So I wouldn't complain if someone else did that. I need to mm-hmm. start mentioning the fact that I appreciate reviews. Um, but there was another one, Tales of Adventure, giving it uh, one star, saying it's like, there were some fair comments about audio quality because I'm still sort of figuring out things, and I get that the music in the background was a bit too much, so I've switched to a different format, mm-hmm. which I think I like better, so I'm going to go through and like sort of redo those a bit. But it's like, they were like, chewing out the narration which there isn't really any with how I do that there might be some like verbalized like verbalized like oh I do this I do this but for the most precious conversation there's not supposed like I haven't started implementing anything of a like coherent storyline mm-hmm. I've like dropped some tidbits but I've been trying to figure out who the heck Isra is and what's her story going to be and I still don't know so I'm trying to leave it vague and just like um poorly scripted and like there is no script we're making this up as like go how do you think i do everything in my life but i just kind of latched on to the fact that they said it's not hello from the magic tavern i'm like i just got compared to hello from the magic tavern that (laughs) one's done by professionals Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I wish someone would compare me to a professional hey you're doing pretty great (laughs) well thank you thank you i appreciate it so again just over the the time that we play this that we play these games and you know get to know what RPGs are like there are some things that just kind of come with the territory that we grow to love but some things are just kind of annoying so Brianna what's your least favorite RPG cliche you see like I don't know like damsels in distress I guess like the damsels in distress the female armor basically looking like chainmail bikinis that kind of stuff I'm not a huge fan of um I guess I don't know like there are some builds that are extremely like stereotypical, but that's very much depends on how you play it. Because you can take a human fighter and you can still make them interesting. It kind of depends on how you play it. But for me, the biggest hiccup I've had is playing three different characters, remembering what your modifiers are. <laughs> Especially the one time I forgot my character's like character sheet. So I was mm-hmm. like, I could I remember her HP and like um what all of her spells were she, she it was my paladin so thankfully mm-hmm. she didn't have a whole lot and i was able to figure out which ones i had mostly mm-hmm. but just trying like trying to remember all of that stuff but that was kind of on me and my inability to remember a lot number for longer than two seconds <laughs> and uh last of these introductory questions uh brianna this can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be oh goody <laughs> If you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? Mm. I've literally spent the last, like, three weeks doing t-shirt designs and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many good, like, j- um, D&D puns and jokes. <laughs> and um, there was a time when my friend playing a dragonborn paladin who was actually a barbarian, but that's a long story, was talking about beating up a guard with cans of spinach. And she said... It's Look, it's a can opener, except the can's the opener. Too many good things, and, like, there's stuff from other podcast, like, other, like, podcasts and shows that are probably already on t-shirts, but I don't know. There are a lot of things, and I've already put some of them on t-shirts, <laughs> so I feel like that's a bit cheating. What's one of the, what's one of the better t-shirt designs that you've made? What's, what's one that you're super proud of? So I have one that says, like, DM, glorified cat herder. And another one that the, another one that's like it says be a DM they said it will be fun they said and then in parentheses <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, both of those are incredibly, extremely honest yeah. about what it's what it's like to be a DM. So, kind of getting into some of the more specific questions to what you do on your podcast. Uh, if you were to give, say, a brief elevator pitch of what tales of adventure is what would that be i interview people's D characters in character how did you come up with that idea 
I don't know, because I don't remember exactly how I came up with it, but I've always been pretty good with interviewing people because I study journalism in college, and I have my other show that where I do interviews. So mm-hmm. it's always been something I enjoy, and I enjoy talking to people about stuff that they are passionate about. And so I was just thinking, I'm like, I kind of wanted to do something D&D, but I was like, what's something different? Because there's, like, a lot of stuff out there. And I was like, what if I interviewed their characters? That'd be really cool. And I, like, I mentioned it a couple of times on Twitter, and the general response was, hey, where's the Patreon? So I was like, <laughs> if I make one, will you support this? All right, I'll make it happen. So I reached out to my friend who does music. His name is PC. His company's Chester Studios. He's fantastic stuff so i got him to do the music gave him like a general idea got that done within the week and just kind of started making it up as i go at first istra was just going to be an accented character who used to go on a lot of adventures now she just wanders around telling stories now i don't know exactly what she is i'm kind of waiting to see what people think about her to figure out how i want to approach things so not only is this um, not only is this like an interview podcast, it seems like you, you've kind of woven some kind of narrative, uh, kind of structuring all these interviews together. Am I correct in saying that? In a way, yes. Um, in some of my interviews, when I talk about, like, I'll mention things that were mentioned in other interviews. Uh, actually, at the end of the first one, when the one I did with Sindri Whiteforge. He was talking about how Tiamat was rising and, like, something about the words breaking. And Esther says under her breath, I knew we should have used better words. (laughs) And there was no response to that (laughs) at all. So she's been around for a while. She's been a part of a lot of things. She's currently sort of keeps an eye on things and has a network where she's seeing what things need to be tended to, what strings need to be pulled to make sure the world doesn't try and end again. Mm -hmm. Because it's trying to end all of the time. And yep. it's pretty much usually Tiamat. It's always Tiamat. Yep. And if it's not Tiamat, it's Orcus or Vecna. Yep. Now, I have to tell you this. Um, th- there's a reason why I brought you on the show. What you're doing with the, the interviewing people in character, um, I think it's a fantastic idea. And it's actually an idea that I had one day myself. Oh, really? Yes. And I did half of an episode where I I was not in character. This was just myself. But I interviewed a friend of mine, uh, Candace from the Knights and Nerds podcast. Mm -hmm. I interviewed her character, Fiance, on on this show. Yeah. What was it about that idea that kind of drew you towards it? Because it's one thing I discovered in doing the interview. Not only was it hard for for me to think of questions that would be fun to do on the podcast, it was hard for for Candace to stay in character as that character. So so what was it that kind of drew you to that idea? Well, a lot of people put a lot of work into their characters and it doesn't always get scene within the regular role play and I know that I personally like I feel very attached to my characters I feel very proud of them in a way that like I said characters are kind of like they're caught like we put pieces of ourselves in them so I just thought like it might be cool to see if like since people did seem to be interested in this idea just like try it out see how it would go getting people to like come on stay in character and the thing is Character breaks are okay, because I just edit that out. But it it is interesting saying a character, especially, like, it took a while for me to get used to it, because Estrada's voice, it tends to change a lot. (laughs) And it's hard to keep in for long periods of time. I've gotten a lot better at it, but I don't know what her accent is, other than vaguely Russian and slightly Scottish. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on the day. That happens to me all the time. I will commit to a voice for a character or an NPC that hurts to do. Yeah. But because it it sounds unique, I'll keep doing it. Actually, I've had that problem in uh, my my Wednesday campaign. Uh, we're running in a world from uh, second edition D and D from like way back in the in the nineties uh, called Dark Sun. That sounds cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the premise of Dark Sun is basically there were a whole bunch of magic users who destroyed the world 
by using magic recklessly. That's not good. as a result, huge swaths of the world are just deserts. A lot of the races that are, like, in D&D are dead or nearly dead. And metal is one of the scarcest resources. So you're basically running around the desert like a bunch of barbarians with, like, weapons made out of bone and obsidian. That's vaguely terrifying to think of. Yes, it's it's a fantastic setting. Um, But there's this race that came out of that setting called the Thrykreen. And they are essentially seven-foot-tall mantis men. That's terrifying. I would run the other way screaming immediately. Just like, Mm -hmm. nope. (laughs) The funny thing about them is they're actually very nice, like... As a race, they're they're generally pretty pretty lawful, and they lean towards kind of good alignments. Uh, they're very rarely evil. Most of them are rangers and monks, but they are seven foot tall mantis men. And I had uh, I've got two players who are playing Thrykreen characters, and I have a Thrykreen NPC. And the first character who spoke as a Thrykreen basically set the tone for how Thrykreen speak in my game. And he picked this voice that sounds <laughs> an awful lot like this. And it's very hard to do for an extended period of time. And so it's... I imagine that was a lot of fun. Yep. I imagine that's also when you kind of want to smack him like, dude, seriously? <laughs> that reminds well, ha- me. Um, so when I was starting the campaign with my co-workers, one of them came a little late and like... Uh, another one of her co-workers that I already mentioned, she wanted someone to sound like a valley girl. So I was like, hey, Cole, you should make Landris talk like a valley girl. So our Goliath barbarian talked like a valley girl the entire first session. But then apparently he had had a conversation with the DM because at the beginning of the second session, he randomly just coughed up a frog and sounded fine, which was admittedly weird because we woke up in an alleyway. (laughs) Not sure how the frog got there. But it was Bob. It was uh, the manager, the coworker. Words. It was basically the DM's way of saying, "You don't have to do this the entire campaign. It's okay." Yep. Yeah. There are a lot of character gimmicks that die in session one, or by session three or four, people will just be tired of the gimmick that they came up with. But I do admire people who are willing to stick to crazy gimmicks. I will always and forever love my my dear friend who i got to see this past weekend austin for his commitment to his uh lawful evil lantern salesman wizard what he played a uh, a lawful evil dwarven wizard named braun bronzebeard of the bronzebeard lantern company and he sold lanterns he tried to sell a lantern to every single person they encountered i want to meet him Austin is a -a one-of-a-kind individual. I love Austin dearly. He was on the show um, a long time ago. You can can still find that episode in my back catalog. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Austin does all kinds of crazy stuff like that. He's, He's really good at... He will come up with this crazy, weird idea that... When you first hear it, you're like, no, no, be serious. We're, we're, not, we're not doing this nonsense. But then he brings it to the table, and the first couple sessions, you have to get used to it. But by, by like, session five, session ten, by the end of the campaign, it, it's something that you love, and if one of those characters happens to die, you miss it dearly. It, it, he's really good at doing crazy stuff like that, and I, I can... I can always understand when a player has not fully thought through a gimmick and has to drop it because of that, but I always appreciate someone like Austin who's willing to keep it alive, no matter how ridiculous it might be. Yeah. Well, actually, with one of my characters, with Arome, my drop paladin, one of her things is, like, sort of how she deals with her regret over just how many people she's killed, because mm-hmm. there's been a lot. Is um, She draws them. Mm-hmm. She sketches them as they were before. For like she sort of found everything about all, uh, found out all the information about all of their contacts, turned it over to the people in charge, and brought them in to be executed. Hmm. So um, a lot of times, whenever she meditates, she like she's really twitchy because she has nightmares. And if hmm. you wake her up while she's sleeping, she will immediately go into attack mode. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter where she is. Daggers come out, she's ready to shish kebab anything that moves. 
but also, um, so usually, like, assuming we don't get, like, mobbed by a bunch of baby black dragons like happened that one time, um, whenever she wakes up from meditating, you can usually see her, like, she has dark vision, so, like, it's, like, pitch black outside, she's just, like, you see her sketch, 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 sketch. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. There was one time we so it wasn't drawing characters, but somehow in in the first campaign that I was ever in, uh, our characters came in contact with this magic book, and the pages changed color every time you every time a new person picked it up. Hmm. And the pages would be blue for anyone who you essentially put out of your mis- put out of their misery, anyone you mercy mercy killed yeah. or uh, killed honorably. And then there'd be red pages for anyone that you killed in cold blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my character was dealing with a lot of guilt over kind of the, the life that he'd led before the adventure. He was basically the last heir of an evil empire. And he, you know, served in that empire's military, was set to become the king right before the people essentially revolted and overthrew the empire. So when he picked up the book, there was a ton of red and when you flip to the pages, it told you everything about those people. Mm-hmm. Even information that you yourself would not know. I feel like Rome would probably just curl up with a little ball of, I'm the worst. Mm-hmm. And there'd be, there, and I mentioned that because there'd also be an image. So when it comes to your podcast, kind of getting back to that, how do you decide who to bring on? Uh for an interview is there a pro- like do people just ask and you bring them on is there a a process of kind of figuring out who should come on and who shouldn't how how do you go about doing that well at first i would kind of troll through tro- twitter and hunt people down that seemed to be ber- vocal about having an interesting sounding character mm-hmm. and so that like that worked for a while but then i like i was running out of people's so like okay i'll try just tweeting something out Hey, I need more characters to interview. If you're interested, like, let me know. And I got so many responses, I ended up having to create a form and be like, <laughs> here, fill this out. I'm not going to remember this. So I now have over 140 people, well, 140 characters, both mm-hmm. PCs and NPCs, to interview. So it's gone from hunting people down to, okay, who am I going to reach out to this week? Mm-hmm. Like, trying to have variety, going between people who have, like, really big podcasts, or people who have really small podcasts, people that don't have podcasts, a nice variety of men and women, um, <laughs> varying up character types. I actually ended up with someone who's half-work and someone who was raised by or he spent 10 years living among works back to back. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm just going to pretend like that's on purpose. But so I've, I've got a lot enough to keep me good for the next four years since I currently do bi-monthly, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping if I can get some Patreon support and stuff like that. And cause it's a bit pricey I currently just being able to like get that much out. Mm-hmm. I want to go to more of a weekly format, but I'm also yeah. like, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm interested in all kinds. Gotcha. I'm also trying to talk to someone who has a known barbarian into letting me interview that character because I'm like, there's got to be some interesting aspects there and I, I, I want it. I need it. It's different. <laughs> I like it. I don't know if you've reached out to him yet or if you if you know who this guy is. There, there's a YouTube channel called The DM Layer. Are you, are you familiar with this channel? Possibly. It's run by a guy named Luke Hart. Uh, he's he's been on this show before. Uh, he's he's a really cool guy. But he has an NPC that he once played as a PC. It's a kobold named Gary the Intern. <laughs> and I feel like if you can get a hold of him, and I can I can uh, I found give him. you his information. I found him. Uh, you found him. Yeah. Reach out to him about bringing Gary the Intern on the podcast because that yes. I feel like that would be interesting. Yes, I will do that once we're done with this, because he has mm. open DMs on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. I love Twitter so much. Like, mm-hmm. that took, like, I spent probably about three hours answering. <laughs> I tweeted that out, like, three hours. He's like, here, fill this out. Here, fill this out. Here, fill this out. It's like when when we had uh, Jackie Zanto on the podcast. She She created this application called Crawler, which is basically an, an LFG application... Uh, just to help people find RPG groups. 
um, oh. that she kind of that she kind of built to be similar to like a dating application. Oh my god! I so love that you it. could find a group that you were compatible with. That's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she posted about it on Reddit, trying to get just like a few people to like help her test it out because it was for a class project. And the amount of response that she got, the the post blew up, and uh, the infrastructure that she had built was not there to support the number of people that signed up. So it, w- it was a bit of a process, yeah, kind of getting I've... that that application stable. But it's it's working now. It's great, and I I still recommend that that people uh, jump on there if they're looking for groups. Yeah, I I love stuff like that. I might see if I can get her on my other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I believe she also has open DMs on Twitter, so. Awesome. I love when people do that, but I don't know if I'll ever do that myself. (laughs) (laughs) I might do that with the pseudonym social one, because I I do have a Twitter for pseudonym social where I do all the stuff for both podcasts. I still need to work on marketing for that, but I'm making a lot of this up as I go along. I had to frantically make up a lot of things at the last minute when that tweet exploded because I was mm-hmm. not prepared to suddenly have like a couple hundred, like about 60 or 70 people being like, hey, here's all my characters that I've ever played. I want to be on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Especially because um, I'm also looking for like retired characters mm-hmm. and say a person has a character where the ending that happened to that character was not what they wanted for them. I'm like, hey, you can come on and rewrite the ending, you know? <laughs> I'm like, he can, like, it's like, it doesn't have to end like that. That's a good thing about, like, role-playing games is you can make stuff up as you go. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, like, maybe give a character a little bit happier of an ending, you're more than welcome to. This, this, this interview does not have to be canon to anything that's going on in any of your <laughs> campaigns. But you're more than welcome to. But that's the thing about RPG players, I think, is I, I don't know if anyone's come on the show and, and kind of revised the, their character's history or not, but I feel like a lot of people, even if they weren't happy with the way it turned out, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah, I, I haven't had that happen yet. I'm not sure if it will, but I'm just like, it's like, hey, you have the option. Also, mm-hmm. I like if your character legit retired, I'd love to interview them about retirement life because this show would be like, hey, I'm also retired or as <laughs> much as life is going to let me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know you have a, a, a tremendous back catalog of people who uh, are, are looking to get on the show. But if you ever want to interview one of my retired characters, I, I would be more than happy to, to jump on the show. Definitely interested. I've only got, like, episodes officially scheduled out through March? March. Yeah, I think. <laughs> and getting them done early and ahead of time is good, so that way when life starts not cooperating with anything I'm trying to do, I'll have plenty of backlog ready to upload. Absolutely. I had to take last week off because I was traveling to visit family, and I'm going to have to take uh, two weeks off at the end of this month for the same reason. Yeah. Because I like I like these interviews because... I'm not interviewing characters, so I like them to be fresher, so... Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh... Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, there's not a lot of lead time I can give people. Especially when, you know, you you bring someone on who's got something to promote. I like to have my episodes out within the same week that they're recorded, just so if people are promoting things, they can promote them. Yeah. Um, I record so many in a week, that would be impossible. I'm recording, like, six this week. (laughs) Because I'm also like, I don't want to make people wait too long, but I'm like, there's a lot of y'all, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, you, there, there were a lot of you that responded, and I am one person who works mm-hmm. in retail. So you're used to being mobbed by a bunch of crazy people. Yep, but at least here I don't get asked every, every like, hour, do you price match Amazon? No, no one does. <laughs> Newsflash, no one price matches mm-hmm. Amazon. Yep. <laughs> That's a great way to lose tons of money. Yeah, I'm like that. That's also not how it works. I mm. I, I, I could rant about that. There's also the oh, it's not scanning. Does that mean it's free? It gets significantly oh. less funny after oh. the first time, and when you say it six times in five minutes, mm-hmm. people don't like you at all. There's a 
an old friend of mine. I've been on his show many times. It's it's not a D&D related show, but I have a good friend hailing from Rantyville, the good old ranty bastard who <laughs> runs the retail or ran the Retail Rant podcast and then turned it into Welcome to Rantyville. It was a podcast solely devoted to the the issues that you encounter on a daily basis. And when I was in food service, it was one of the most cathartic podcasts I listened to. That sounds amazing. How do I get on mm. it? Uh, so he doesn't do he doesn't do the retail rant anymore, unfortunately. That, that probably somewhat, had a lot of really big companies unhappy with him. Well, what happened was someone at his job found out who he was, so they made him shut that show down. Oh, yeah, that makes that makes sense. That's. That's awkward. So he transitioned the show to Welcome to Rantyville. He added a co-host, Ranty and Heather. Again, shout out to you guys. (laughs) Uh, I hope the show comes back sometime soon. I I miss Rantyville. But yeah, that's that's what they would do is they'd complain about their jobs on on the podcast. And it was it was fantastic. I, I joined them on a few episodes and that was some great catharsis. Let me tell you. Yeah, there'd be many times when, because I met my boyfriend through work, so there'd be a lot of times with like, because we didn't start dating until like around when he got a job somewhere else, so we just kind of like, eh, let's just keep this on the down low, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But before that, um, a lot of times we would work the same closing shifts, so we would just kind of stand, like, we just kind of stand like outside of our cars and just talk and vent about stuff. Mm-hmm. And it helped a lot. Sometimes you just need to get all of it out. Absolutely. But then you Absolutely. also need to go, it also helps to get all of it out about the good stuff that you're excited about. Which is why, so, like, part of me is like, I also have been thinking about doing another podcast where I interview the people behind the characters. Like, how did you create this character? Like, how they grow and change? Like, how has this impacted you? And just sort of dig into the stories behind the people who play D anD D, because I feel yeah. like there there's a lot of good stuff there that people may not realize because of all the misconceptions and blah blah blah. It's becoming less of an issue nowadays, but there's just a lot of good that comes out of it. Yeah, and that that would be a great addendum to the podcast that you're doing already. If you ever take like a season break, just like bring a couple people on and and talk with them about their characters, just you as yourself, them as themselves and and learn about how they created those characters and and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good idea yeah i might even do it as its own separate show i've been thinking since i have it described i'd be like hey anyone want to hop on the chat and just talk D stuff also do you mind if i record this because there's no way to be sneaky to record on my discord because the craig bot loudly announces that he's now recording and sounds like the terminator <laughs> every single episode i've done i've had to edit out eh, still creepy <laughs> <laughs> well Brianna, we are kind of up against our time right now, so I'm going to turn over the rest of the episode to you to promote anything you have to promote. Uh, the floor is yours. All right, so um, all of my podcasts are under Pseudonym Social. You can find the website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com. I'll eventually get rid of the .wordpress, but I retail money, life. Um <laughs> So the podcast we're talking about here is Tales of Adventure. It's where I interview people's characters in character through the char- like through as es- Estra, Estra Layok, who is a wanderer, and the other one, an incomplete guide to world domination, is where I interview people about what they're passionate about and how they're turning that thing into their main thing. There is a Patreon for both. I'm still working on setting up benefits for the Tales of Adventure and the Patreon for an incomplete guide to world domination. I still don't know what to do for Patreon benefits for that one, but all of your support and donations will help me be able to do more of this and to I'm kind of hope that one day this thing will become my main thing. And I also have a merch store through T public. It's under pseudonym social Pretty much all of the designs are D&D focused. That's where I have the DM glorified cat herder. I've got um, be a DM, they said. It'll be fun, they said. I have ideas to ruin my player's day. How I thwarted my DM. I have designs geared towards each of the 
alignments. I have designs for all of the classes. And I'm still making things up as I go along, but I'm excited to see where this goes. All right, guys. Well, uh, once again, Brianna, thank you for, for coming on the show. Um, this was a ton of fun. Guys, next week we have uh, something very interesting for our uh, our episode. Uh, so I'm bringing on the the madman behind Wizard Thief Fighter Studio, who is uh, he's the creator of the Witchburner RPG. He's also the creator of the forthcoming Ultraviolet Grasslands. If you haven't seen his stuff, uh, find him on Instagram and Twitter at Wizard Thief Fighter, a.k.a. WTF, <laughs> and um, just look at some of the art that he's done because this stuff is crazy, it's awesome, It's it's got like a Mobius flavor to it, and it's it's really some of the most unique RPG art out there. I'm really interested to talk to this guy, uh, but until then, thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your captive audience at your RPG table that Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard is the place to go for your RPG interviews, and I'll see you next time.